Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the in-credits for information on joining. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Albert. And uh, have you guys noticed that, uh, I'm sure all the listeners have noticed, but I don't know how many people here at the table, because, you know, we do the thing, listen to it after it's done. Podbean has inundated our uh, podcast with commercials. I mean, it used to be there would be one in the beginning. Now there's one in the beginning and one in the middle, and sometimes there's two in the middle. Yes. And, and so I'm going to look for another host and see what's going on. Um, because, you know, we don't get, we get literally zero for these commercials. And if people think, oh, wow, you know, Cash and Mark and Jim are raking it in now because of these commercials, we get nothing. We I get was, nada. I was driving down the road listening to one of the podcasts. And the ad came on, and I thought I'd lost the signal for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. Because there's just all of a sudden there's an ad. There's no even a break. Nope. So uh, let's see. I'll start off uh, with just a little thing. Um, the CPI came out yesterday. Uh, we record on Tuesdays. This was Monday. And uh, inflation appears to be going up again. No surprise whatsoever to me. But a lot of people were saying, ah, oh, you know, inflation and, you know, the stamp market. I truly believe we are in a recessionary inflationary period, and that's going to be good for stamps. And so uh, it is not something that's going to change over a month or even over six months. But over a year, you'll see it. And we're looking at like a 10-year thing, not a one-year thing. So just my opinion on economics. I would like to welcome Albert back oh, yeah, to Albert's the podcast. Here. Albert has been taking a sabbatical to uh, attend the Super Bowl and sell beer. So we call it Al Beer. Beer here. <laughs> instead, of, instead of stamp show here today. And so I heard you got kicked out of the Super yeah, Bowl. I, yeah, he did. I, I didn't hear I was kicked out of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I left at, at the end of the third quarter, which is when I'm supposed to leave. And why? Because no vendor is allowed to watch the game after the end of after the end of the shift, they have to leave the facility. So you got kicked out. I would. Say no, beer, no, <laughs> no beer sells in the last quarter. That's correct. Which We're, is understandable because there would have been an awful lot of beer flying around toward the end of that game. Except that the last quarter was not the last quarter. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know what occurred, but there was another quarter after the last quarter. Right. Seventh, long, seventh longest game ever in NFL history. Five quarters. Yep. That doesn't compute. <laughs> Mathematically. <laughs> it was fun to do. It was just, it was something that I've attended a Super Bowl as a fan before back in the 90s. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to do something different. And so this is something different. And it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely some physical activity that I never have done before. So just to make clear on this, 
Albert has been missing from the podcast for several weeks now, maybe a month or two, right? It's because of the playoff games. I, I was going to say, he was training during the playoff games so that he would be ready for the Super Bowl. Ah, there you go. Well, we, we did the... We Getting did your the, beer arm ready. We yeah. Did, we did the 49ers game, uh, playoff games uh, at Levi's Stadium, which means we actually had to fly there and travel there and usually spend about $200 total for the, for the event and then before we made a penny. All right, so the most important question is, what was your closest point of approach to Taylor Swift? Um, probably, probably about, uh, probably about 20, 20 or thirty rows away. She was in, a, she was in a suite, and we're not allowed to go into those the suite areas. Huh. Actually, oh, yeah, actually, no. actually, what actually the closest I got was, you know, they had her on the t tube, and there's television monitors all over the, the stadium. Um, Cox bra brags that Allegiant is uh, the mo is uh, one one of the uh, most wired in places in 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 the world for for sports stadiums. Isn't it Ali Giant? Allegiant. Ali Giant. <laughs> nope they pr they pronounce it Allegiant. I am against silent letters. I think they are dumb. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the person who names this names it, and I didn't. You know, um, the owner of the, the owner of the Raiders, Mark Mark Davis, uh, got a got a, is getting a lot of money for that name. So I'm who am I to say anything about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are going to discuss space fillers. We start this off with my recent purchase to uh, illustrate the point. I was at a stamp show last week and bought a seventy four TC one. Which is the trial trial card, trial color proof of the seventy four, and I thought I'm never going to own a seventy four, but this is reasonably priced under fifty dollars, and I thought, you know, it'll be great to have that for a reference, and that got me thinking about um, there's there's different ways to collect. Fun stamps and stamps that you don't normally get in your collection, or can't, or can't afford. Yeah, and certainly in higher condition grades, but um, that you can find um, different replicas. And I guess we've got four or five tiers that we Cash describes as space filler one, space filler two, space filler three, <laughs> space filler four. But um, you know, you when I was starting to develop a reference collection, I was not concerned with perfect stamps. I was more concerned with having something that showed either the paper, the grill, or the color. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if you collect some stamps that way, that's a legitimate way of collecting, and you don't have to call yourself a cheapskate. You just collect stamps, and you're collecting them not to fill the space as much as to know what the genuines look like. And then occasionally, I think you can have that stamp in your reference collection, and then you might find one as you're going through coll collections or accumulations. Now, I have a... Uh, actually, Albert, you sold me a number 5 and number 5A, except that they weren't. That was exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Strangely, I was thinking of... To me, that's not a space filler, but that... Very few people are going to own a 7R1 early, one early, but you can own a 7R1 late. 
In other words, the same from the same plate, but in the late stage after they've re-entered the plate. Yeah, why don't you describe this? First of all, uh, number five is uh, what a seventy-five thousand dollars stamp. It's a-, a, a nice one is about a hundred and fifty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars stamp. Uh, one that one of the two or three that grades ninety. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we're talking about it, the it, one cent Washington that was issued in eighteen fifty one. January, January, sorry, July, Franklin. You're right. July for July first, eighteen fifty one, and it's uh, it's one posi- it's one position on a plate of two hundred, and uh, it's so it's position seven right one or pl- seven right plate one in the early state so it's the short uh, nomenclature for that is seven r one e but um, I always recommend for somebody who doesn't have a spare hundred thousand dollars to put in his collection that you can get the same stamp but from the re-entered plate with the exact same position and it has most it has much of the same detail including the full plumes and the at the bottom and the full design at the top and uh, um, and so I sold Cash a, a very, very nice strip that was ex-Ashbrook um, a couple of years ago. And he wanted it for his classics collection. Yep, it shows uh, recutting, it, how they improved the plates. And so the difference between a number five, which is $125,000, and a number nine from that position, which doesn't have any listed premium, Although is, it, it well, does have a premium, obviously. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a premium. But it's the same stamp, same position. The only difference is the color is slightly different, and there's a different frame line on it. So that, to me, is like a type 1 space filler, where you don't have to have $175,000. You can probably get one for 100 bucks. Well, probably not. Yeah, I, I paid more than $100 for mine, but... Uh, yeah, we call it the poor man's number five. Yep. <laughs> and then 5A is the one next to it, and the poor man's 5A, that'll, that would be a cheaper one. But Yeah, yeah but a, but a, a good 5A from uh, position six or eight, right, one early, are, they, they catalog over $10,000. So to put one in for your collection for $200, and this is being from the later plate, that's a great bargain. Yep. What you can what you can do if you really want to be picky is try to find one from the early stage of the of the of the late plate, and having having uh, more of that rich dark blue color, as opposed to plate one earlies, which are usually that milky blue color. So then plate or <clears throat> my reference number five for that position, uh, number five has a very distinctive double transfer at the top. And so you can see the double transfer when you're going through a bunch of them and possibly find, you know, an actual number five. Um, but if you don't have a number five or seven right from the late state and you don't have the $125,000 one, uh, you might want to go to an auction catalog and cut out the picture and use it as a reference and the reference will t- show you, you know, if it's a nice picture, it'll show you the double transfer. So now you're talking about having a space filler, which is a, purely a reference item. It has no value whatsoever, but it's a reference that will allow you to identify a number five. If one, you know, you're walking down the street and you look down and there's one laying in the gutter, you know, which... 
shouldn't happen. Right. That's the way I buy them is they've been laying in the gutter and look like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a total side note, and then we'll get back to it. Um, every, I don't know how many people know I'm a magician, but I'm a magician. And I was a member of the Magic Castle, and a person was building a deck of cards from only cards that he found in the road. And it took him years to do it, but he finally completed a deck of cards that he actually found in the road. And I thought that was interesting, just a total aside. Hmm. And, but they had all kinds of different backs, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Nothing matched. <laughs> yeah. Did they remember, were they at least the same size? Oh yeah, playing card size. Uh, yeah, they were all the same size. Because if you get if you get playing cards in Europe or some of the other places, they're different sizes. Yeah. So uh, then, what other type of uh, references or well, space fillers? We've talked about we've talked about the lookalikes that get, show you a lot of the type. Then we've talked about proofs and specimens, which show you the colors. You know, if it's the stamp color, um, then and we talked about buying defective copies for reference. Well, let's get that's into paper and grill. And yeah, my let's opinion. get more into that one because that's an interesting one. Yeah. So you get the actual stamp, the real stamp, but it's just defective. Yeah. And so it has very low value. You, you pay maybe ten percent of catalog in the bargain box. I bought a I bought a steel blue, a seventy B steel blue that way. And you know, I don't know what what's a steel blue, thousand dollars maybe. Yeah. No, about five, about four or five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. So and I bought it for forty five or fifty dollars. So yeah, I have a I have a reference copy that shows the paper, shows the color, and it had a certificate, so I know it's that stamp. When you're buying for color, though, um, especially for reference. Um, I have a I have a great 28A which has a uh, which has a crease in it and everything that uh, um, that somebody wanted to buy, but I said no. This is the nicest 28A color I've ever seen, mm -hmm. and that's why I kept it. So you col you collect them, and it's like even if you in your collection you want only sound stamps, if you want to have a reference copy, you can find them in these what we would otherwise call space fillers. Space filler kind of has a negative connotation because you picture things with, you know, holes in them and pieces missing or something like that. Well, in, in, I've gone to shows in England, and uh, um, the, uh, uh, the American Stamp uh, Club for, for England, um, there are a lot of people there that buy things that look nice but are not sound. But they, are, they realize that they're buying it for... Mm -hmm. You know, twenty percent or twenty-five percent of uh, of uh, of market. I mean, yeah. our friend Jim Forty. A lot of his stamps are. I wouldn't really want to touch them because I might. I'm afraid of what I might catch. But he sells. <laughs> but he sell. He sells them at the right price. You know, when he sells a when he sells a number seventy-three, and it might it it's it is a seventy-three, but it's not sound. But he's selling it for less than a quarter of, quarter of Scott. I think that that's. That That's there's fair. A, there's a real market for it. Well, an, an interesting thing, too, is you bring up like 10% or 20%. Um, U.S. number one in faulty condition as a space filler is a third of catalog minimum, and I doubt you'll be able to find one for that. The Zeppelins are the same way. You know, there are faulty Zeppelins, 
And uh, but a Zep, you're not going to buy it at 10% because it's faulty. You're going to buy it at a third, maybe even half, because it's faulty. Yeah, well, there's popular stamps that people want and collect, yeah. and. In, in my opinion, it's a space filler. Or I mean, it's a damage stamp, but it's a nice space filler if it looks good from the front. You know, if you don't see the, you know, if there's not a piece missing or a crease that's visible. Um, and so there, there's some bargains to be made that way too. But I was thinking more in terms of like the 74 uh, trial color proof that I purchased. You know, I just, I said, I'll never have. I'll never own the seventy-four. Why don't you tell people what seventy-four is, just so that the stamp formerly known as seventy-four was um, in a very bright. It's the three cent eighteen sixty-one issue design, but it's in a very bright scarlet color. And Albert can tell us exactly how those came on the market, but it was. Jay Walter, Jay, you can blame Jay Walter Scott. Yeah, Scott, Scott got a hold of them from uh, a printing, and initially they were listed by Scott as uh, seventy-four, which w- was um, uh, in the middle of all the numbering system between seventy-three, obviously, and seventy-five. Because he wanted to sell it as a real stamp. stamp. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I have a in my reference copy. I have a reference copy that's canceled. Yeah, and, and used out of New York in the mid 1880s. Some somebody uses them. Uh, there are a few known like that. Most of the copies are either uh, unused, or they've got a pen stroke cancel three yeah, or four three, lines, three dot or three horizontal lines. Right, and um, because some were that way when they got them uh, from wherever he he, where did he get those from? I don't even remember now. Um, um, he got them from, from he got he got them from somebody who was affiliated with National Bank No Company. Okay, I was going to say it was we the could, we're, we, it, National I, Bank. I don't I I couldn't swear to exactly which person he got it from, but there's there's a couple there there's been a couple articles about that in the Chronicle yeah. that have suggested who that who the uh, who the supplier was. And yeah, after, after careful... Don't really, we don't want to get sued by anybody who's been dead for 100 years. So well, I was going to say, after careful names. study over the last 100 and some odd years, um, it was determined that these really were um, proofs and uh, yeah. trial colors and so forth. And so um, they were downgraded, removed from the catalog, and... Well, they were moved. Moved to... The uh, proof cut trial color section. Same. They also had, yeah, go ahead. Same as this number sixty six lake. Yes, and and also and most of the August printing. The, all the, the finger August quotes printing, August printings. The the early printing and the early design. What was that like forty through fifty something like that? Fifty six. Oh, the premier graphs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fifty five through uh, fifty five through sixty two. Okay, th- that's the Scott former Scott numbers. But there are but the, but in that in that case you have to be really careful because because the ten cent and the twenty four cent of that printing were used. Were used. And uh, the un- unused ones are called Scott fifty eights. And but they're also called they're also similarly called 62Bs in the catalog. Right. So we're talking about uh, the August issues, the so-called premier gravures, which are Scott 55 through 62. Um, the uh, the one thing you have to take into account is that the 10 cent, which is Scott number 58, is now has a 
that was actually used, and that actually now has a new Scott listing at 62B. And then the uh, the earliest printing of the 24 centers, uh, they're mostly considered uh, that were called 60s. They're also um, they were also sold as they're basically 70Cs. Yep. Well, I have two space fillers in my collection, which are the 24 cent and 30 cent special printings. And these never come up in auctions. Um, but I bought a collection specifically because those two stamps were in it. I paid 100 bucks for the whole collection. So I figure I paid 50 bucks each for them. Uh, they catalog like $2,000. And when I say I have the 24 center and the 30 center, I really have about 75% of a 24 center and about 80% of the 30 center because they are both missing major pieces. But considering that only like 125 of them were printed and they rarely come up for auction, I'm very happy with having those two stamps in there because, you know, I'm... First of all, I don't want to spend the money to get them because they're special printings, and I really don't collect special printings, but there's a spot in them in my album. Do, do you consider that, then, a space filler four? Yeah, that's a uh, space filler. missing. Yeah. Visually, from the front, it's an unattractive stamp, yeah. but it's so rare that I'm not going to fill it with a good stamp. It gets plus points for rarity, but still is yeah. pieces missing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now, what do you rate uh, purposeful counterfeits like the um, like the Confederate issues? Well, okay. Instead of g going to the Confederates, let's look instead at like 544, 596, uh, the 613, those sort of things where people have made fakes of very valuable stamps that are hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you can make them like a, a five, you can make an acceptable 596 forgery out of a coil stamp. I wouldn't, you know, it, to fill the spot, yeah, I think if you're, if you're charging more than five bucks for the stamp, you're, you know, it's worth five bucks to fill the spot. But if you're doing more than that, you're really ripping off the person twice because it's not a 596 and you're charging too much for it. So counterfeit and fake would then be the five. Yeah. Type five. Well, actually, the type five, that's more, uh, okay. How about 5A and 5B? <laughs> okay. <laughs> because 5B, 5A is that. 5B, I'm going to call just cutting pictures out of an auction catalog, which I've seen a lot of people do. I mean, it's a great way to fill a spot. Um, I, it's not great when you're a dealer and you're, you're told, oh, I got a missionary. <laughs> and then you go and see the, see the album and it's, they're just pictures and they go, I, 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 you have to bite your tongue to just be polite. Well, I have a uh, story. <clears throat> and um, let me preface this by saying that I'm not going to say the dealer's name because whether you think he is a crook or got his comeuppance is totally up to you. But a person brought in an old stamp collection and it had like a lot of stuff. It had U.S. number one all the way through, you know, just basically almost a complete album. And the dealer offered him $3,000. And the person took it, 
And then he contacted the person and said, give me my $3,000 back. Now, this is $100,000 worth of stamps if everything was real. Um, he said, give me my money back. These are photographs. So uh, at one point, you know, you sit there and go, oh, man, they almost ripped off this dealer. And on the other side, you're going, hey, dealer, why the hell are you offering $3,000 for this? I mean, that's ridiculous. So no philatelists were harmed in yeah. this depiction. Now, I've, when I've gone to trips to Europe and gone to occasionally to stamp dealers that actually still have stores, which are now few and far between, I would go look through their U.S. stock. And every once in a while, I'd find something that was not beautiful, but it was just it was rare. I bought a really I bought a really nice repaired uh, number eight from plate four and paid thirty five dollars for it because it was sold to me as a number seven. Yeah. Because in, in Europe. Nobody cares about all the different types of, well, it's of worse three, than, cent, three cent or one cent. It's worse than that. In Europe, they don't know what a number eight even is. It's not listed in their Michelle or their Stanley Gibbons catalog. So, uh, and I, I purchased uh, three or four two cent Z grills for as just regular stamps for ten dollars each, or ten euros each, whatever it was. And but they, but, but of course, there wasn't anything beautiful in them. They were all, you know, cutting in the design, but. I think one was sound, and the other two had little creases in them. Well, but those, but those well, are. Hold on, hold on. I don't see that at all as being a thing. That that's taking advantage of the years and years and years that you have spent researching and looking at and examining these stamps. This is not you going in and ripping the person. They're they're a knowledgeable seller, and you're a knowledgeable buyer. And you just know this stuff. This isn't, that's what we do. It, the Europeans have the opposite when they come to the United States. Take a, a Great Britain number one. We have one letter, you know, one place for it. Yep. Stanley Gibbons has dozens. And the cancel might make a difference. Uh, the, the plate might make a difference. The position on the plate might make a difference to a collector or a connoisseur. So I think it, it goes both ways. You know, the, a stamp dealer can only know so much. Yeah, but uh, the stamp dealer is making money on the stamp. And then, Either way, yeah. And then Albert walks up and says, oh, you misidentified the stamp. This isn't a $10 stamp. This is a $375 stamp. Here, let me give you $375 for this $10 stamp. Said no one ever. Ever. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, type 5A, let's put his counterfeits to fill, uh, knowingly buying a counterfeit to fill a spot. If you unknowingly buy a counterfeit to fill a spot, then that's a different thing. That's not getting into space fill fillery. This is getting into chicanery. But I could very easily, I mean, I, my 596 spot is empty. Um, you know, if somebody had a nice fake, I'd put it in there and I'd put a little sticky note next to it that says, says fake. I, in my Switzerland, I have, you know, the Kentinals and everything like that. And every single stamp either has the plate position showing that it's real or the certificate number showing it's real or who made the fake if I can identify it and if I can't identify it it just says fake get you a little tiny um, rubber stamp 
that says fake, some violet ink, and stamp it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you well, want a Basel Dove? I have, I have, have so to. many Basel Doves. I yeah. mean, I, I probably have 15 of them. And one of them is a really, really, really good fake. <coughs> but, all, but all the rest are like, you know, if you know what you're looking at, you know they're fake. Well, I would love to have a real one, but I don't have fifteen thousand bucks to. Yeah, throw but down. there were, but, but with those with the European classics, one that's cut in a little bit sells for ex- an extreme discount if it's real. Yeah, I mean an extreme discount, like ten or fifteen percent only. Oh, hmm. I mean it's it's it, I found in, at least in Europe if it's if it's perfect it sells for the world and if it's not you just you now can, it's time to dicker, and you love to dicker. Well, the, the interesting about, thing about the Basil Dove is a good fake of a Basil Dove, a person will give you 50, 75 bucks for it. I mean, they literally have a good value to it. I would just like to point out that the British magenta Montent <laughs> would be considered all five of those categories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's discolored, the quarters are cut off of it. And it's got hand stamps all over the back of it. And it's real. And, and it's, it's real. real. Yeah, for those people, and I know we've said this before, but just for those people, you look at it and it's shaped like a stop sign, it's octagon. Um, it's not. It was a square stamp. <laughs> people cut off the corners. It's, this is the most valuable stamp in the world because it's unique. Yep. And we discussed and it has a great story behind it, but and we it, discussed it last time because Stanley Gibbons has it, yeah, and they're going through their problems. Everybody owns that stamp now. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing: is if you own that stamp, and it's forced to sell, do you get your money? <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't it being held in some sort of weird trust? Um, they're because, trying because because it's being sold on a piecemeal basis. They're trying. See, that's the whole thing: is. Um, when the creditors come, they go, Hey, there's an eight, eight, excuse me, eight million dollar asset there, and you owe us six million. Sell that thing and pay us off. And, uh, you know, they go, Well, we sold it for eight million dollars, but we don't own the whole thing. And the creditors can very easily say, Tough, give me the money. Depends on what the courts want to do and, and how it's set up. And what type of syndication they did. Would and it surprise you that the court would rule that the rich guys don't get it? Their money back? Uh, you know, if it was in the United States, I'd say the uh, syndicated people are screwed. In Britain, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. Well, they sold it. They bought it in the United States. Yeah. So they maybe could file... I'm sure that they will try. Like I said, whatever gives them the best chance, that's where they'll file. So, Mark, you have a follow-up for us. Yeah. um, A while ago on on, uh, January 16th, I sent a package to a customer. And when I got home, I I realized, oh, my gosh, I sent it to the wrong address. So um, I thought, okay, I can get in touch with the person who I actually sent it to and just have them return it to me. Um, but then uh, I discovered that USPS has a has a, uh, a service they call Package Intercept, and um, the idea is that you can 
intercept the package before it's delivered and then have it returned to you. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Let me give it a try. So it's $17 for the service. And what you do is you go online and you and you type in the tracking number. You type in uh, where it was mailed from, where it was mailed to, and then and 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 say intercept the package and return it to me. So uh, so I did this. So that was um, that was on the 16th of January. Um, seven days after I filed the request, the online tracking shows that it arrived at the post office where it was. Uh, uh, not supposed to be delivered to in Orange Park, Florida, and um, the uh, and and the package which I did get back, it's written in ink, PKGINT one twenty three. So they received it on the twenty third. They knew that there was a package intercept on it. They wrote on the package, it's intercepted, um, you know, and and so not, something needs to be done. Um, on the twenty fifth, this is nine days after the request. I get an email update, and the email update says, um, your, the package has arrived at your local post office facility to be weighed and rated. You will receive an update to the estimated total once that process is complete. Ooh. So that's interesting. So you might be charged more postage. Well, and, and in, in the instructions for package intercept, what it says is they'll intercept the package. That's $17. But then they're going to return it to you by priority mail, and they're going to charge you for the, whatever it is to, to, to get it back. So I thought, all right, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So um, uh, and, and it was also interesting because when I got the email, it had the destination and origin reversed. And I thought, I know I typed it in right when I when I put it in, but, but I don't know for some reason. So um, on the 30th, this is 14 days after the request, I hadn't heard anything. There was no updates on, on tracking. So I went to the USPS main post office in Las Vegas to try and get an update. The counter clerks have no access to the information at all. <laughs> um, so uh, what they did is they redirected me to a customer service counter in another part of the building, which is not in any normal post office. But there was a person there and I talked to and uh, a, a woman named Cynthia. And uh, by that time, it was too late to call Florida. So she says, I will call Florida tomorrow. So the next day, Cynthia calls me and she says she has the Florida post office on the phone. They have the package in their hands. She confirms to me uh, where to return it, and the post office in Florida acknowledges that the same return address is on the package. So, um, and I'm wondering, you know, aloud with Cynthia, you know, does everybody that, you know, does this package intercept, do they have to, you know, try and find out what's going on? Because there was no information coming from the, uh, from the post office on this and no update um, to the, to the package intercept and the package intercept number that they give you doesn't have any kind of update. It just keep, it just keeps coming back with saying that there's a, that there's no information yet. Um, so then on, on, uh, February 7th, this is now 22 days after the request. Um, seven days after, after Cynthia talked to the guy, uh, in Florida, there's a RTS label placed on the package. I don't know this yet. I found out later. But the there's an RTS label returned to sender, and the RTS label dated February 7th that says return to sender refused, unable to forward return to sender. So it's just a your standard return to sender thing. 
So, um, which is interesting because the package intercept service says that they're going to put it in another envelope uh-huh. and then send it back to you. Um, so then on the uh, 10th of February, this is 25 days after request, I get the package back. So all they did was do a return to sender. And why they couldn't just return to sender on the 23rd <laughs> when they received it, I don't understand. Because it was the 23rd that they received it. A week later, we call them to find <coughs> out what's going on with it. Oh, yeah, we have it here. It's right here. <laughs> you know. And Cynthia's like, okay, let's get it back to the customer. And then a week after that, they finally get around to putting on the, the RTS. I mean, I could have just had the customer I sent it to, you know, just say, you know, RTS and drop it back. So, um, so my, uh, my assessment of this service is that um, it is definitely not worthwhile. Unless <laughs> um, like, time doesn't matter yeah, at all. And, they have, and they have, money. Yeah, yeah, they have apparently no, um, uh, no incentive to, to rush any, you know, <laughs> part of the service. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Well, last thing we have, U.S. stamps was the final Jeopardy topic. And uh, so it's like, well, U.S. stamps, I got to bet all my money. So consider that I put all my money in. Albert, have you heard the question yet? Nope. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, me, Mark, and Jim have, so... This is just to Albert. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> U.S. stamps. How much money do you want to bet? Oh, uh, let's bet whatever I have uh, in my uh, in, that I've earned in the thing. Okay. Yeah, make I it a real make it a real daily double. I I did the same thing because it's like U.S. stamps. I've I've. I know U.S. stamps. No, I mean, what could they, the, the mod- they possibly ask? The modern stuff. I, I'm very vulnerable to those modern stamps. Okay. Well, here it comes. Ready. This Roman numeral appeared on stamps in 2022's series for the 50th anniversary of an anti-discrimination law. Remember, your answer has to be in the form of a question. This is the 50th anniversary, and this is in 2022. This Roman numeral appears on stamps in a 2022 series for the 50th anniversary of an anti-discrimination law. Uh, What is Title IX? What is the Title IX stamp? Well, see, you, you got it better than I did, but it's the Roman numeral. Oh, you mean they? Oh, they're asking what the Roman numeral was. This what is ro- I? What is IX? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, I, 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 I failed. I failed because I could. I did not get IX. No, I had to think about it because it was seventy-two. I, the only thing I could think about is that was Title Nine. Well, okay. I was thinking, oh, it can't be IX because that's two. Yeah, that's what threw yeah, me off. Two numerals, that's, but that's, that's two, not two what a numeral is. But yeah, but <laughs> IX is just a numeral. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a two-digit it's, numeral. It's, it's a. It's something. Uh, it was. It's been commemorated this past in 2022 on ESPN on a number of uh, a number of. Uh, Can uh, I interrupt you for a moment? We got all our negative feedback discussing 
That's this, this stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I don't. We want, only got three negative comments, and they were all about that. Yeah, I, I don't want any more negative comments. Uh, may I? Well, may at least I, I, at least a, I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. May I make a suggestion? We we encourage our listeners to send us Jeopardy questions, and we can incorporate them into the end of our programming. Sure. Yeah. Send us a send us a U.S. Question, U.S. stamps question that's worth the yeah. final Jeopardy question. That's what we'll do from now on. We'll have a Jeopardy question at the end of every show. And we, But we will only entertain them when Albert's here. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, keep collecting. We need your help. Good job, Nothing Albert. on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.